I've said this a couple of times. It's no uh, chore for me to say this to you again. I want to encourage us with some things that are going to be happening over or have happened over the past 20 years. Uh, so we're in the year 2040. I haven't got the clicker, so can you click onto the next slide, please? Hence the grey hair. I know you're thinking the rest of him has aged particularly well, or you think actually he looks horrendous already. So uh, he's probably about par for a 55-year-old. This is what's happened over the last 20 years. We've seen the gospel impact many lives across Watford, across the UK and internationally. We have given of our lives, our time and our money to the mission of God, to God's plan for this church. As a church family, we've given away hundreds of thousands of pounds. And just jumping back into 2020, we're well on our way to the first hundred thousand, just to encourage you. Back into 2040. We've seen that money that we've given away used to establish. Oh, I can have that. Thank you. Cheers, George. George, what a faithful servant he's been for the last 20 years. Um, still, going. still on tech. Um, he loves it. Um, We've seen that money used to establish churches throughout Hertfordshire, across the UK and internationally. We've seen it used to support those working with those who are held in captivity, held captive by poverty or injustice throughout the world. We've seen it used to transform the lives of the most needy in this and nearby towns. We've trained and sent church planters and teams who started new churches in Hemel, Stevenage, Rickmansworth, and just this week, the elders sat down with Jonah Abraham to talk about the <laughs> church plant in Welling Garden City in Hatfield. If you're interested, you can see Jonah after the service. As a church family, we give away thousands of hours every month to serve New Hope, a local food bank, and in our Jubilee Rehabilitation Centre, used to be called The Hub not to mention our active in estate cleanup ministries, which have seen over a thousand homes repaired and restored for families to live in and tons, literal tons of rubbish cleared. Probably better than all of that, we've seen thousands of people come to know Jesus as King and be discipled into mature followers of Jesus Christ. How wonderful it would be to see those things happen to be in 2040 and look back and go, oh, God has done some amazing things through this church. And in preparing and thinking and praying about what kind of church we want to be, the eldership has been spoken to again and again by these verses in Matthew 11. It's John the Baptist sends some people to Jesus says, are you the one who is to come? Matthew 11. Are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. The poor have the good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. The kind of church we want to be is a church where People ask, is this, is this what I've been waiting for? Is this what I've been looking for my whole life? 
and they know it is because of what they see and hear. They see the kingdom of God demonstrated in power. They see the blind receive their sight. They see the lame walk, lepers cleansed, the unclean cleansed, the deaf hearing and the dead raised up and poor, the poor having good news preached to them. And the kind of church we want to be is that sees those things happening both physically and metaphorically and spiritually. We want to see those who are spiritually blind receiving their sight, but we also want to see God miraculously healing people. We want to see people who are unable to walk, can't make it through life, restored and able to face the next day. We want to see people who are physically unable to go about their daily lives healed so that they can do. We want to see those who are unclean, who view themselves as unclean, who are cast out, welcomed in and cleansed and made whole and restored. We want to see the poor have the good news preached to them. We want to see the kingdom of God break out so that those who are spiritually dead are raised to life in Christ. And hey, God, let's see a miraculous raising of the dead physically. That's the kind of church we want to be. But if we want to experience that, if we want to see those kind of things, we have to take a few risks. It's a bit of a risk to pray for someone who's dead and go, Jesus is going to heal them. He's going to bring them back to life. It's a bit of a risk to do that, isn't it? Well, Andy's going to speak a bit more about that kind of stuff next week, so I'll leave that with him. Stitch up. Um, (laughs) But that's the kind of church we're aiming to be, a church that sees these things happening both spiritually, so spiritually dead to life, and physically, people miraculously healed and transformed their lives and you might think you might be sitting there thinking oh man that's quite a big ask Aaron it's quite a big ask you know we're sort of we're we're at the shallow end of these things we you know we're having dreams about crosses we're not raising the dead yet you know actually the God who made everything out of nothing is the God that we serve would it be unusual for him to do something miraculous no It would be very, very natural for him to be supernatural. Over the years, we've talked about how we're going to make these things happen. I've done this before with the grey hair. Some of you may remember. It was in 2014. It was five years ago. Millie had just been born, and I joked about the fact that she was going to be the first woman to captain the England men's team because she was that good at football. Um, She's since changed career path and now wants to be a paleontologist. Um, which, you know, is okay, I suppose. Um, No World Cup tickets for me. Um, But then we, a few years later, then we then set out some 20, these challenges, we called them the 2020 challenges. And we said, this wasn't about setting down laws or rules, uh, but it was just kind of a, a way to help us make good choices on the path of discipleship. We said that we're saved by grace through faith, not based on works. So this isn't to do with, you know, you're a bad Christian if you don't do these things or you're not saved. Actually, it's about disciplining ourselves and saying, we want to see those things happen. 
We want to see the kingdom of God advance and all that we can do to make that happen, we will do. It's about continuing the mission of God entrusted to us. And so we laid out these three challenges that every member of the church would be extending hope to 20 people, would be spending 20 minutes a day with God and that every member would be contributing £20 a month more to fund the mission of this church. And we said that for some people, these would be quite daunting challenges. Some people would think, man, I don't even know 20 people. Well, I can help you with that if you think that's where you're at. But to extend hope to 20 people, that's quite a challenge. So we said, actually, these things, they can be praying for someone. They can be praying for someone even if they don't know about it, but you're extending the hope. So at the very least, you can pray for 20 people. Even if it's you're struggling for 20, you're at 19, you go, oh, I'll pray for that person who walks their dog past my house every day. And then maybe one day, actually, God will provoke you and you'll stand out at the gate and say, oh, hello, as they walk past. I notice you walk your dog past every day. And then God will lead you into how you can really share hope with that person. We talked about contributing 20 pounds a month more to the mission of this church of God. It's a challenge. I think, I think talking about giving money in January, oh man, what a lunatic. Actually, I want to encourage you to be faithful. I've been uh, reading Proverbs again. When I was a, a younger guy, I read uh, Proverbs every day, a chapter a day every day for like a whole year because there's 31 chapters, so it's one a day for the month and then if it was 30 days you double up or if it's February you double up at the beginning and the end but um, just again just provoked about how much it talks about stewarding your finances well and being faithful to God bringing the first fruits to him so I want to encourage you to seek God and say God what am I to contribute to the mission and then give it cheerfully and joyfully not under compulsion 20 pounds for some of us that's that might be nothing for others that might be quite a big ask and so i, I recognize it's, it's a we, it's just a figure it's a figure to represent i'm going to ask god i'm going to seek god and can i give more than what i am spending 20 minutes a day with god now, this isn't a rule to sort of go, oh, if you, you can't make 20 minutes, you are a terrible Christian. 19 minutes and 45 seconds, you failed. Um, it's not about that. It's about saying, actually, I am going to give time to my relationship with God. I'm going to spend time with the one who's waiting for me. He's always there. That's the message that's come through this morning, isn't it? God is always there. He's waiting to be with us. Again, we've said, if you can't find a 20-minute block in your day, then I would say, come and show me your diary and I'll find one for you, or several. Uh, but it might be two 10-minute blocks, it might be four fives. It's just the idea of building, actually, I'm going to have some deliberate time with God. It's about making these things a priority. Time is a resource to be spent. Don't waste it.
I want to lay just a brief challenge before us as well. It's from Psalm 126. Uh, it says this. When the Lord... I'll get up on the screen for you. When the Lord restored the, few, the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out with weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. <coughs> Do you want people to look at you and say, the Lord has done great things for them? That's how I want, I want people to look at this church and go, man, God has done some great stuff there. Have you seen the, sort of, the material that he's working with? He's done some really great stuff. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping shall come home with shouts of joy. Do you want to reap with joy? Do you want to come home shouting with joy over the fullness of your harvest? Are you willing to go out weeping? Are you willing to sow in tears? Do you want to see that friend or family member saved? That work colleague? Are you willing to let God bring you to tears as you pray for them? Are you willing to give and serve until it hurts to see God work? My uh, parents are here. They've been down for Christmas. It's been great to see them. Um, they live in, they don't live in Inverness. They live further north than Inverness in a place called Allness. Uh, they moved up there uh, probably almost about 10 years ago to, to plant a church, to be sort of the forerunners to a church plant. And um, that's quite hard, to be honest, because I like my parents. Um, so, sometimes. Even though my dad, my dad said, when I said in the, earlier on, um, I'll be preaching later, he said, oh, we'll all be going to impact then, uh, which... <laughs> Not many of you would have heard, but I did. Um, he was only joking, but still, um, you know, with that kind, those kind of friends. Um, <laughs> my, they live up in Allness. They moved up there a long time ago. Um, do you know? Do you remember how many grandchildren you had when you moved up? You won't remember. Do you remember? How many we had when we went up? Yeah. Five. There you go. Megan knows. Five. They've now got 12 grandchildren. Okay, so six of those grandchildren. Um, six of those grandchildren live in Watford. Okay, let me finish. I'm, I'm preaching here. You've had your turn. Um, six of those grandchildren live in Watford. So my, my children don't get to see this set of grandparents as much as, they, as I would like them to. And every time we go and see them, or tomorrow when they go home, I know my mum will cry. Um, 
<laughs> she's crying now. Um, I'll start crying in a minute. They go to sow with tears. They've counted the cost and they've said, God has called us to this place. So we're going to go with tears because one day we'll reap with joy. <clears throat> I want to ask you if you're willing to do the same, not necessarily leave your grandchildren um, or your, you know, your children, but are you willing? <laughs> yeah, you can go to Allness. Actually, you know, I'll, I'll talk about this a bit later, but we're going to be trying to support them a bit better in what they're doing. Um, are you willing to count that cost to go, actually, this is hard. No, this is, this is a cost to me. But I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. To live that way takes courage. And... We talk about what kind of church we want to be. We want to be a missionally focused church. This is what it means to live missionally focused. It means to have, oh, that's, that's, that's costly. You know, what I'd really love is to just sit at home and watch another episode of something that I'm streaming on TV. But my neighbour has knocked on the door and said, can you, can you help me with something? Or I know my neighbour is sat next door on their own. And they're always on their own. Actually, what I could do is I could go and knock on their door and invite them around for dinner. <clears throat> we say this about courage. We say it's choosing to follow God on the adventure of faith. We speak and act in a way that makes it clear that he alone is Lord of our lives. We put aside our reputation and personal comfort to be obedient to the call of God. What kind of church are we? We're a missionally focused church. Now, I've deliberately not used the term missional because that carries with it certain baggage, depending on uh, what you read, but we are mission focused. We've just spent the last three months of last year talking about being on mission. But to be a truly missional church, we must be or mission, missionally focused. We must be, we must be mission-minded at three different levels. At a personal level, we're each personally responsible for sharing the gospel with the people that God has placed around us. I've said this many times. I it's weird if I turn up at your workplace and start trying to talk to your colleagues about Jesus, unless we were meeting for lunch or something. But if I just came and sat at your desk, you know, in the classroom, if you're a teacher, I'm sitting at the desk and I start trying to sort of or muscle in on the staff meeting, you know, that's, that's weird. We're personally responsible for sharing the gospel with the people God has placed, us, placed around us. We're personally charged with being a witness of what God has done and is doing in our lives. This means being focused on others rather than ourselves and being willing to step out in faith and risk things rather than live in what is comfortable. being focused on others and not, not ourselves. Be aware of what you're saying in your life, both in your you know, actual interactions and your social media interactions, your, those kind of things. I often think how we say things is often more important. 
someone, I think it's Hannah, prayed this, this morning about us being able to share with humility. I think that's so important nowadays because the way that things have, have worked out, particularly with social media, is it forces people to be polarised in their opinions. So to have any kind of meaningful dialogue is almost impossible. Um, so it can come across like the guy who's on the street with the megaphone, shouting, repent, repent. Maybe God's called him to do that. That's great. Good for him. I remember being in London and a guy shouting at me for a megaphone. And I was with a young lady that I was sort of dating at the time. Um, and he said, are you saved, son? And I was like, yeah, I am actually. And he said, well, you should be out preaching the gospel, not wasting your time shopping through the megaphone. And I was thinking, oh, I'm preaching tomorrow. Um, we need to not be that guy. We need to be those who are humble and are winsome to people. Social media, when you put something on your Facebook, that is what you're doing. You are shouting it through a megaphone. I think people don't, I always think social media, you are standing on the street and shouting as loud as you can. This is what I think. We have a personal responsibility for sharing the gospel. We have a, a corporate responsibility for sharing the gospel. Our Sunday gathering, gatherings are shaped with these purposes in mind. Glorifying God, equipping and encouraging those who are already saved and doing all that in such a way that it's accessible and understandable to people who aren't Christians. They might not fully get it, but we'll do our best to explain. When someone brings a, a, speaks in, in a heavenly language, or brings a tongue, sometimes that's called, we, we try and explain what's happened there in a way that's understandable to someone who might think, what is going on here? And as I said, Andy's going to talk a little bit next week about sort of charismatic part two. What kind of church are we? The second part of a charismatic. But um, we do these things. We want to encounter God, but we want to be able to do that in a way that's explainable, comprehensible. It also means that when we serve on a Sunday morning, we're not just filling a rota. I want you to know that. You, when you serve on a Sunday morning, you're not just filling a rota. You're not just thinking, oh man, they need some people on that team. I'll, I'll, I'll step in or, oh, I suppose I better do my bit and stand there. We're doing those three things. We're serving God. We're glorifying God. We're serving our brothers and sisters in the church. And we're creating space for those who don't know Jesus to hear the gospel. Any area of church life that you serve in, you're doing those three things. If you're on the tech setup team and you're setting out the chairs, you're not just putting some mic stands up. You're creating an environment and putting some light. You're creating an environment where people are going to hear the gospel. And when you're setting out the chairs, there's, if you're interested in it, you can look up statistics on well, what's the best sort of ratio of chairs to people to make people feel comfortable. Because if there's less than 20% of desirable seating in a room, people won't stay there. They'll think, oh, there's no space for me here. As you can see, this is all undesirable seating. Um, so when you put out the chairs, it's almost like the first row doesn't count. But 
We need to be think, we think about these things. I think about these things. I'm thinking, how can we set up the room best so that people who don't know Jesus, when they come in, they're going to feel comfortable. They're going to feel like, oh, actually, I feel at home here. If you're on welcome, you're not, you don't just get a cool T-shirt and to stand there and you don't just have to go out in the rain and stick up a flag. You're not just doing that. You're, you're the first person that someone might see on their journey to Jesus. You're the first person. How you welcome them could very well influence their reaction to the rest of the service. If you're miserable and grouchy and you're thinking, oh, yeah, you're all right. You know, as they come in, they're thinking, oh, man, this is a bit of a struggle. Should I have come here? Maybe I'll go home. If you're welcoming, if you're coming, it's great to have you. I'll help you find a seat. Here's some, let me introduce you to someone. You're creating a pathway to them encountering God. The band, as Andy said, practice. They're not just having some fun. We're trying to encounter God. Those of us who preach, we do it to try and communicate the gospel. Say, this is what God wants to say to us. This is where he's taken us. Those on impact and forge and crash. It's not just, oh, here's the babysitting club. These are lives that are being shaped. I remember the stuff that people told me in Sunday school. I remember spreading some honey, honey on a, a digestive biscuit as a sort of manna. I remember that from, I think, when Jane used to do Sunday school with me. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you're on those teams, this stuff sticks. Not all of it, but it's there in the background. If you're on refreshments, serving tea or coffee to people, it's, it's all helps. It's all a pathway to the gospel. You can have a conversation with someone. Everything we do is in service to the gospel. And what that means is not everything will be done in a way that you necessarily like. I'm just, this is, you know, so you understand this going forward. It means the style of worship might not necessarily be the style that you would like. You know, there's, there's no banjos. That's a death to me. Um, the style is not necessarily what you would like. We might do things and we go, actually... We want to be welcoming to a demographic of people that aren't necessarily represented yet. So we're going to adjust and we're going to try and do our best to be welcoming to them. We will manage spiritual gifts in a way that's comprehensible. That doesn't mean that we're going to say, well, oh, no, hang on. If you want to move, God, you have to fit into our little barrier and little bo we're singing, you know, break our walls down. We're talking about actually we're open to the spirit moving. But what that means is we're going to explain what's going on. So that if someone comes in, they've never been to church before and someone's laughing over there and someone's crying over there and someone's speaking in a language that no one's ever heard before. We're not just going to go, right, if you're a visitor, just get on with it and, you know, try and make the best sense of it you can. We're going to explain what's going on. A missional focused church operates in a way that is in service to the gospel. 
And wider than that, we're part of a church family that's missionally focused. We're part of a family of churches that's looking to advance the gospel and plant churches. And we ourselves are looking to do those things. We give financially to those initiatives. We pray for them. We'll, we will send people to be part of what is going on. There's an event taking place uh, for sort of 20s and 30s. Uh, I can't remember the exact date. This year, um, a new ground thing that's in Berlin. There's a church plant in Berlin that if you've been to any new ground events, they will talk to you about the church plant in Berlin. I've never heard a church plant so sort of well uh, encouraged. Um, but there's an event going on there, 20s and 30s, sort of a few days, go and help them preach the gospel and share the gospel in Berlin. Go over for a few days, be part of that and come back. Or maybe you'll be called to stay. Um, but as I said, my parents are up in, in Allness. They're looking still to, to sort of see a church established. And there's been sort of a rocky road that has happened there. But actually, as a church, we've said we want to try and support them in what they're doing. We want to try and say, oh, hang on, what do you need to help? The hub over in Croxty Green. That's, that was not on our radar. Andy and I, we were sort of like flat out saying, we don't want it. Um, and the guy said, no, no, we want you to have it. It's like, okay, God, are you in this? Someone said to me, uh, I said, what do you think about it? And they said, oh, it seems more opportunistic than strategic. And I think, well, yeah, that's, that's probably right. But actually, God's strategy is not necessarily our strategy. And God has given us that building. And so at some stage, we want to see we want to see a, a church established in that building. We sang together and worshipped together just before Christmas. First time in 18 months that there's been the worship of God on a Sunday morning in that building. A building that was built for the express purpose of worshipping God. We want to see a, a, a church established there. Now, what that looks like, we're not entirely sure. It might be an afternoon service, it might be an evening service, it might be a completely autonomous church that starts, that's linked to us. It might be a second site. There's loads of possibilities. But we want to be focused on what God is doing. He is calling us to big things. That in 20 years time, we can look back whether you're with the Lord or whether you're still here, you can look and go, he's done great things. He's done great things. The kingdom of God has advanced. So there's an encouragement that we are to be a people who live with courage, who take risks, who step out in faith to see the kingdom of God advance. There's a challenge. Say, are you willing to be one who sows in tears, with tears. Are you willing to do that in order to be missionally focused? I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to close. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are our example. You came from heaven to earth to save us, to extend hope, to give. That you 
sowed in tears. That you were a man of sorrows, it says. That you prayed. That you were moved with compassion over the state of the people of God. Those who had wandered far from you. I pray you would move in us to be moved like that. That when we're driving and someone cuts us up, we wouldn't think, oh, that stupid person. We would think, man, they must be far from God. That our attitudes would be so completely transformed. That when someone is angry with us, we would recognize actually they're, they're hurting and they need to know Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would just be completely transformed in our mindset towards those who, are, who aren't yet followers of you, who haven't met you yet. I pray we would be brave, we would be courageous, we would be those who take risks, who are willing to offer to pray for someone who's sick or injured. I pray we would be the, the church that is willing to step out in boldness and do those things. I pray that we would take personal responsibility for those you've placed around us to share the gospel with. I pray that as a church, we would have renewed passion to serve because we see all that we do as service to the gospel, as, as channeling people towards you, towards that moment where they can encounter the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I pray you would give us generous hearts as we look beyond this room to what we can do, to where you're on the move, that we might be able to engage with those things and say, yes, Lord, we're going to give to this. Yes, Lord, we're going to send people there. I pray we would run well this next year and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.